You are listening to the Awake Athlete Podcast. I'm Jess Kamkowski, endurance athlete and mindset coach, here to share with you perspectives and contemplations from a 10,000-foot view of life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. So glad to have you here with me. I mean, I truly mean that to come back for a second season, let alone come back for the next episode. You guys, I'm not dropping surface chatter information here. There is some really deep stuff moving through me. And if you're still hanging on with me, if you are eager for more, you are in the right place. You know, we're always in the right place and everything's right on time. And I think that that is a perfect segue into what I'm going to share today. We're going to talk about meditation. You know, there's so many walls of resistance to meditation, and I feel like I've heard them all. Um, (laughs) It's like when I was a massage therapist, and I was like, okay, yeah, just lay it on me. Tell me why you can't use the foam roller. Come on, tell me why you can't strengthen your core. Like, come on, I'm really eager to hear an excuse I haven't heard before. And it's the same thing with meditation. You know, I can't stop the thoughts. I can't control the thoughts. I can't, um, I can't find a quiet place. And the mind is a thought-producing machine. So if you're new at meditation and you're going into it thinking you need to stop your thoughts, you know, you're really setting yourself up for a journey of suffering and enduring, which is not what yoga and meditation is about. It's not what the awake athlete life is about. As we go down this journey, as we sit despite the resistance, as we redirect when we find ourselves in thoughts and come back to the breath in meditation, as we do that over time, the mind does quiet. Every time we say, no mind, no, nope, we are sitting, this is my time, And we're doing it and I will let you know, like I will let you know when we're done. Every time we take charge of our monkey minds, we make progress. There's no effort on this path that is a waste. Actually, this is a really cool story I'm going to tell you. Uh, So my meditation teacher worked on the university level for a while. He's done some pretty darn cool things in his life. I'll just leave it at that for now. I'm sure some stories will come out. I got to pull those stories out of him because he's not somebody that shares all the magnificence and epic things that he's experienced in his life. But here's one story, which I think is really cool. So he was working in the research lab and they were doing studies on meditation. And so he would measure the brain waves and the activity in the brain during meditation. And one day this woman, she finishes her meditation and you know, they go over the the readings that they were taking during the meditation, right? So the the meditator or the student or the participant comes in and she says to meditator Bob, my meditation teacher, she says, Oh God, don't eat like don't even. It was such a mess. I was so busy in medit like my thought, my mind, the thoughts, like I was going through all my to-do lists. Da, da, da. And he says, Well, you know, let's take a look. So they look at the readings, they look at the results of what was happening in her brain during the meditation, and they were able to identify that one, yes, her mind was busy, her, her, there was a lot of activity, but there was also spans of time 
with no activity, meaning she had spans of time in meditation. And she didn't know because to know that your mind is quiet is not a quiet mind, right? Listen, to know that the, <laughs> this is like something that's going to take a second. To know that the mind is quiet is a thought. Oh, my mind is quiet. Well, your mind's not quiet. You're not in meditation if you're thinking my mind is quiet. Meditation is like, it's like, it's a flow state. It's a state of no mind. And the moment you realize that you're in no mind, you're back in the mind. So even though your meditations may be a battle some days, you may not be seeing all those moments where you are actually free from the mind. And I think that's a really cool story to keep in your back pocket as you continue to go down this road, as people get curious about why everything in your life is getting better and why your energy is so amazing. And they say, oh, well, I can't meditate. My mind's too busy. And tell them that story. Remember, once you realize you're in flow, no flow, no flow. And that's how it works, right? It's kind of a little bit of a kick in the butt. It's like, but I want the evidence, you know? So go out and ask Meditator Bob what that machine is that they had her hooked up to. And uh, and you can go get one of those and you can measure all of your meditations. But if you do that, who's in control there? The mind, right? Because it wants the evidence. It wants the certainty. So I love that story. And uh, here's another story I love because it, I experienced it this morning. Everything is right on time, right? I hear a lot of people say like, oh, I can't meditate because it's loud or my kids or I live in the city. And the first thing I tell people is like, get in a closet. You know, like, I don't want to get out of bed in the morning and open the door because I'll wake my husband up or I'll wake my wife up. I'm like, well, do you have a closet? Does it have a door? And they go in the closet. I mean, you guys, you know I'm in a closet right now, right? Like I record these podcasts in a closet. It's just this quiet, little, dark space that's cozy and warm and has good acoustics and it's quiet in here i love it and it's private so find yourself a little space and know that the peace does not need to be outside of you over time it could be super distracting you know sounds outside of the room could be distracting but when you know it's just like a thought when you notice that your attention is there it's a gentle don't, don't ever forget that word. It's a gentle redirect back to your breath. It's a gentle redirect back to your mantra. It's a gentle redirect of the mind to say, hey mind, we're practicing concentration right now. And there is no thought that is more important than what we're doing right now. So come on back. And let's drop into this very instant of breath. This very instant of life that we're living and let's feel it all. Another reason why I want to share the story I'm about to share is there's a confusion and I had this confusion too around, well, you know, if we're focusing on what we want and we're focusing on the stream of well-being and we're focusing on positivity, does that mean like we're not supposed to be angry? We're not supposed to be 
frustrated. We're not supposed to be jealous. We're not supposed to be judgmental. We're not supposed to be upset with someone. And and all of that is, it's, it's all normal. Like give yourself permission to be human. You're going to have waves. You are in a body. You got stuff to work out. If we, if we were pure hearted, we wouldn't be in a body, you guys. We wouldn't need this world of contrast to clean up our act. But we live in this world of contrast. And quite frankly, the world of, of this contrast is here to kind of kick and, and bruise us so much over time that we say, oh my God, there's got to be another way to find peace because just when I think I find it, you know, my vacation to the Caribbean or my raise or my new car or my new girlfriend, and then everything just kind of goes back to the way it was because the change comes from inside the peace comes from inside. It comes from inside. And in order to unearth that peace, to dive deep enough to touch that peace, we have to get through the layers. And as we open, you're going to feel more because you're open. You're less constricted. So, oh man, today was so good. So this morning I woke up about six o'clock. And to me, I was like, that's an acceptable time for BJ to wake up. So I went downstairs and I actually made an espresso. And I brought our little espresso cups upstairs and I woke him up with, actually, he was already snuggling with Clark, but I woke him up with an espresso because, I don't know, I think in my husband's eyes, that's kind of like one of the best ways to wake up ever is to have somebody hand him a little cup of espresso. So I did that this morning and it smells so good. If you're a coffee drinker, you know what I'm talking about. And so we hung out for a little bit and we snuggled with Clark and I watched, we opened up the windows and we heard the ocean and oh man, just an amazing morning. And I decided to meditate in bed. So we live in a loft space and we have a loft upstairs, obviously, where our bed is. And BJ's got a little meditation nook up there where he meditates and he doesn't always want to meditate with me. Like I want to meditate like heart to heart like I want to meditate like we're right in front of him and connect with his heart and like be in his field and he doesn't always want that and when we lived in our studio downstairs there was nowhere to hide so he had to meditate with me so I had that for like over three years it was amazing so today I was like I'm gonna meditate up here too and so he got into his little space I felt so thankful that he was allowing me into his space to meditate and had the windows open, the windows kind of surround our bed and Clark was on the bed. I set my timer for 45 minutes and I closed my eyes and I was like, oh yeah, baby, I am ready. Let's go, right? Like I'm ready to dive and relax and float in my pond of peace. Just started taking some just relaxing breaths. I like to, with four, a 45 minute meditation, you know, I've got time to just breathe and relax before I go into my pranayamas, before I go into my kriyas, before I go into my chakra clearing. And I got to do all that stuff to even see my pond of peace, let alone float in my pond of peace. So today was interesting. I was like right on. I was feeling peaceful. We had this beautiful morning already. And so I closed my eyes and I just started to breathe and soak it in. And then the darkness came. And the pressure in my chest came. 
And there was like a constriction, like it felt like a fist in my heart. And I started to think about BJ and I had a meeting yesterday about some things that we were going to do for Yogi Triathlete. And I made these assumptions that he didn't do what he said he was going to do. And all of these, like these disapproving thoughts and anger and frustration started to come in. And it triggered this old story of mine, which is like, I've got to do everything by myself. And I saw like this, it was such a cool experience. And I saw this like image of me dragging everybody, like everybody, like everybody in the whole world up a hill, right? Like everybody who says they want to meditate and they don't do it. Everybody that says they want to be positive and they don't do it. Everybody that says they want to love more and they don't do it. You know, and BJ with his two tasks on my list and he didn't do it. And I'm, and I'm literally, I'm tethered by a rope and I am lagging step after step to pull everybody up the hill. And I could see the whole thing. I could see it and boy, could I feel it. And then the words of my teacher came in and I just heard him say, you will be tested. The fight of the ego will grow stronger and the road will get more narrow while the challenges get bigger. And it was like this moment of relief and clarity, knowing that this was nothing more than the fight of the ego. And I admit, the thoughts, they had me for an instant. They did. They had me for an instant. And this old story, this old world view that was baked into me a long time ago that I need to do everything myself was just fueled by this anger and desperation and loneliness of the lower self fighting for some sort of relief. It's like this backwards maneuver to bring about worthiness. And I untethered myself. I untethered myself from those thoughts by going straight into the feeling because the feeling was like really constricting in my heart and super heavy. And of course, then there's that voice that was like, come on, like I was so psyched for meditation. What the hell is this? So what the hell is this? This is the work. This is the work and the freedom's on the other side. And it's the work of detachment. It's the work of feeling everything and not identifying with it. So I went straight into the feeling. It was in the center of my heart. And the next vision that came up was like this gray ball of string. Like I feel like it's something I would find in my father-in-law's workshop. Like this like, oh, what's this old ball of string here? Like just rigid and tightly wound and old and gray and dusty and lifeless. And I felt that it was like this ball right in the middle of my heart and it had no give whatsoever. And I just focused on my breath as I felt that feeling in my heart, all that constriction. And the thoughts, they, over time, they just started to fade into the background because I wasn't giving them my attention. My attention was on my breath and the feeling of this constriction in my heart. And then I noticed that I could see the end of the string and it was like hanging from the ball. And that to me was the loosening. And so I breathed and I felt and I breathed and I felt and I thought, 
gosh, a 45-minute meditation. There is no better time or place for this to be happening. And I breathed and I felt and I breathed and I felt. And I knew that nothing needed to change. It was okay. And I just allowed it. And I released the fight. There was no fight. There was really no fight to even release. And I relaxed because I've been doing this for so long, you guys. You realize that when you start fighting or get frustrating or judging the meditation, you never win because who are you trying to beat? You're fighting yourself. So there was just really, there's like no fight left in me, which I think is, is so beautiful. And I relaxed and just nothing needed to be done. And then it happened. This it sounds so cliche, but it was so powerful and so real. This gray, lifeless knot of string, it broke away. It just like kind of cracked like an egg. And this lighted lotus flower emerged like something out of like invasion of the body snatchers. But it was like the opposite. You know, it was like invasion of the cold, hard ego snatchers. And this lotus flower right in the middle of my heart unfolds and it just leaves the ball of string lifeless beneath it and it all soaked in like the 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 lotus just absorbed all the string it like soaked it in the light and everything in my heart opened and i relaxed back into the meditation And I did my pranayama and I cleared my chakras and I focused my attention in my third eye and I just let that light in my heart be the guide for the rest of the meditation. And I came out the other side lighter, free, and healed of whatever that disturbance was within me and then had another cup of coffee with my husband and we journaled and we podcasted and that was that. And had I not had these tools and knowledge and understanding that I have and the knowings from the practice that I have dedicated myself to, we could have very well had a very disconnected, unloving and hurtful morning. And it was not my husband. It was the old story that I have chosen for many years to feed. And at the same time, it was just a few years ago that I really got onto it and said no more. And when we say no more, it doesn't mean that the things that we have been carrying don't still have life within us. It takes a while for the campfire to burn out. And you know those embers after the flames go? Those are the hottest part of the fire. And so today was an ember. It was an ember. And now it's cool and it's out and I am free of it. So you are going to feel so much on this path. And yeah, your mind is going to be super busy. But the assignment is not to stop the thoughts. Notice them. And just like the wind through the trees, let them blow right by.